0: Hi, and welcome to the show. Today is December the 26th, 2022. Dr. Tim is off this week. So we're going to be doing pre-recorded shows and they are all of him going through his own process. The one we're playing today is from August the 28th, 2014. So I hope you enjoy. And Michael and I'll be live at one. And I am not sure why it's not playing. There it goes.
1: Happy Thursday. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor. I'm Michelle Fischet, and I'm here today with Dr. Michael Wright. We warmly welcome you to the show, and thank you for choosing to be with us. Today is August 28, 2014. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk with Dr. Rice. We encourage you to call in with your comments or questions, allowing you to actively strengthen and deepen your practice. So now let's welcome Michael in the process of learning and experiencing forgiveness.
2: Well, thank you, young lady. I appreciate the introduction, and thank you for filling in to Jeannie. Well, Ari is uh, getting ready to, uh,
3: to hit the road, and so uh, Jeannie has taken over the kitchen and times ties it up on a whole other level with the intensive. So we thank Jamie for her
2: willingness to step into that role. A, she does an awesome job of it, but it's not
3: necessarily her favorite one. So thanks for for coming in and handling the switchboard, so she's free to do that. She's down in the kitchen washing basil, fresh basil. We have a neighbor here that grows some of the most awesome basil. So she's down there washing basil right now to make a basil dressing for our salad. And, uh... We appreciate everybody who joins us every day that you join us to take this work farther and farther afield. We are in the middle of, if you haven't been with us recently, we're in the middle of a 16-day laws of living. We'll look forward to seeing you, Michelle, on Monday for the intensive. And uh, we are just uh, rocking. The energy is moving. Things are really just rolling along very powerfully. So we're blessed and blessed to each of you to join us. And Dr. Tim had uh, tested me earlier today, saying that he wanted to pick up on some of the uh, the material that we covered yesterday in the show as a topic for today's show. So I'm just going to turn it over to Dr. Tim and see what the I'm I'm excited and interested to see what uh, what you've got to say, Dr. Tim. How do you be?
4: I am well. Am I on? You are. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm to. just finishing up another call, and um, I texted you because I had just finished a, a worksheet and done some processing about our interactions yesterday, and found that I was quite triggered, um, and I felt it at the time, but it wasn't clear what was going on, and then. I had a a very full day, and I ended up going to sleep at about 10.30 without having done the worksheet. And I woke up, and I had difficulty breathing. And um, it it was a feeling similar to getting punched in the solar plexus and having the wind knocked out of me. Really? Wow. And so I had a... uh, breakfast business meeting that started at 6.30 that I had to run, so I ran that business meeting and finished at 9 and then came over to the office and cleared what I needed to do so I could do the worksheet prior to getting on another business call at 10. And the interaction that happened yesterday was around... Talking about um, the, the the less than specific forgiveness process that is outlined in um, the book um, "Disappearance of the Universe," and the um, let's see how I'm trying to piece together the. Um, where the insight came in. At one point, we were talking about how the the piece that comes out that I read from The um, Disappearance of the Universe doesn't mention canceling the goals and what you refer to as the core of the forgiveness process. And then you went on and talked about someone who took the work Created a book, created a website, but didn't include the goal cancelling or the core of the forgiveness process and right. and then you said at one point, it would be good, or you said it would be fun when you come to town to find one of these people who has been practicing this other forgiveness process for a good long while, and they think it's benefiting them, and to put them in a situation where their issues are triggered, and then, et cetera. And that was the point at which I got triggered. Mm. And I could feel the pressure in my chest and the difficulty breathing. And so as I replayed later in the day yesterday, I went back and listened to the show to try and remember what it was that triggered me and that's when I heard the words again and your energy behind the words you know it would be fun to find one of these people who's been practicing this other technique for years and think it really benefits them and put them in a situation where they get triggered and again the difficulty breathing came up so today I did the worksheet and Dr. Michael Rice is the person in 1A. I I chose to do the 12-step worksheet this morning because I particularly like a couple of the sentences in there that aren't in the new seven step including the line that says, the truth is my reality is strictly internal, unique to me, and is created out of my own thoughts. And then the one where it says, with blame I hide my power. And when I do this in the worksheet, in in the group, I say, does anybody understand what the power is that I'm hiding with blame? And then we go back and read the line that says, the truth is my reality is strictly internal. It's unique to me and created out of my own thoughts. So if I blame anybody else for my reality, I've hidden my power to create my own reality. Right. And the interaction was summarized in my worksheet as Michael seemed to want to challenge others to prove that his forgiveness process is right. My feelings triggered by this situation are fear, sick, and upset because it really felt like a churning in my stomach yesterday and by the time I woke up this morning, it felt like the wind knocked out of me. My thought was, Michael wants to intimidate others and me. And my thought for punishment was just to avoid, to not discuss it. And thankfully, my my physiology said, no, you're not going to avoid this. You're not even going to be able to breathe. Unless you, uh, unless you process this, you're not even going to be able to breathe. So setting up. Reading through the rest of the worksheet, breathing, holding the space of love, holding my images of my sons, et cetera, that really gets that energy rolling in me, the loving energy. And then choosing loving thoughts for Michael. He's devoted to love and a loving thought for me that I'm doing my best. And then choosing the goal to have Michael be more sensitive and accepting of others and then realizing the forgiveness process means I have to pay attention to the fact that the first casualty of desire is the truth, and if I want Michael to change, I'm not going to be able to see the truth. So I cancel my goal for Michael to be more sensitive and accepting of others, and I ask Ruka to show me the hidden part of my mind that's actually creating my fear. And they breathed, and I had gotten a flash right away when I started doing the release that this was about bullying. And so I breathed, and my difficulty breathing got worse, and I literally felt like I'd been punched in the solar plexus. And what came back to me was an actual event when I was 14 years of age, and I was physically beaten by a bully and it took me at least 20 minutes to recover my breath because i had the wind knocked out of me i had probably a minor concussion i had you know bruises and and i couldn't quit crying but i couldn't catch my breath it was in that sobbing crying can't catch breath for a good long time i had people move me to another space and that's full memory of that trauma came up and the bullies thinking this is great fun. So there was a the tie in. When Michael said, you know it would be fun, it would be fun to find somebody who's done this other work for a good long while and they think it's really helping them and my thought was that that wouldn't be fun at all. That would be challenging, intimidating, embarrassing and those were all of the things that I had experienced when I was 14 and this bully and his friend laughing while they beat me up. What? So I kept breathing and let the tears come and breathe through it. And by the time I opened my eyes again and sat up, I was breathing probably... eighty percent of a normal breath and there was still a little bit of that discomfort in the solar plexus but it was greatly reduced so I breathed through that work and, and and willingly said I would continue to face and process out if I still have difficulty breathing if I have more pains come up I'm willing to feel them and I became aware, so I wrote when I came out of it, that I now feel calmer and stronger, and I see that I had layers of pain and shame from past bullying that still need to be worked through. And I set the loving goal in the last step of the worksheet to continue to dismantle my fear, pain, and shame So that I can hold love and be more accepting of you, Michael, as the goal and number one, as the subject to number one, and others. And I breathed, and then my upset level had gone from eight to maybe a one. So I was feeling much more calm and much more strong. And as I kept breathing the difficulty breathing, the sensation in the solar plexus went down to nothing. And I thought, well, that's that's a good worksheet and I really need to share that. I Pretty powerful stuff.
3: Those old Buddha brain cells are pretty amazing in what they bring forward, aren't they?
4: Yeah, it it was very, and I was much, one of the pieces that came up for me in the processing and the tears coming is that on the show yesterday, I began by saying, you know, I don't really know anybody who's done this other work because I've only got introduced to it a couple weeks ago. And then a few minutes later, I heard myself say, well, you know, there was this one guy and I thought right. in I had been deeply triggered at that point. And in the review and the release, the tears were coming up because I realized when I when I said yesterday there was this one guy, I was basically trying to side with the bully to say yeah let's go pick on this other guy so you don't have to pick on me and the truth is the image of the person in my mind who has come to your sessions in the past and who was at this seminar two weeks ago characterizes how innocent how loving and how gentle I was when I was 14 and and I and I, I came out of the release realizing I would not introduce you to him and say, let's see if we can put him in a stressful situation where his stuff gets triggered and then see if his stuff works, because that would be acting out by offering somebody else up to a difficult situation that I wouldn't want to be in myself. And so... That was another piece of clarity that came from the release. This person that I met again two weeks ago is so gentle, so soft-spoken, so tender in his intentions and emotions that it reminded me of myself at fourteen. Even though I was six foot two and one hundred and ninety pounds at fourteen, I was not. Uh, a toned athlete. I, w- I still had the baby fat on me. I was, I was just, I was like baby Huey, without the strength. And I recognized the dynamic in me yesterday by saying, "Well, there was this one guy, was basically just to deflect what I was going through at the time, and to offer somebody else up and to side with the bully." Mm-hmm. But I, I would inject there that
3: um the the perception is that there's a bully involved. I, I invite the uh the awareness that there wasn't one but, but that maybe that's the perception. For me, the space that I was very clearly coming from, we had just talked about the fact that my take, you know, on the process that is being used is that it would not open the dissociated mind and that's where the real forgiveness occurs. So for me, the the fun would be that to, to see if using the canceling of the goal, using the Aramaic forgiveness process would open another layer and another level of healing. The reality in my mind had no implication of, bully or um, any of the other words that describe what uh, might go on for him in your perception. To me, it was, ah, here's a place where we can do a test and see if, in fact, there is another level that will open for somebody in the process of healing.
4: well it certainly your your words and your tone and your energy today certainly strikes me different than it it did yesterday and whether that's a result of the space opening up in me because i did my worksheet or the energy shifting for you having heard about my worksheet i, I couldn't tell you which is which yeah, but i would well, agree I with what you're saying today that your energy is much more loving. It's the energy that I get from your words and your tone today is much more loving than the energy I got from your words and tone yesterday. And, of course, I was already triggered, so I'm not a good um, perceiver or judge of what the energy was like coming off of you yesterday. This was a big trigger for me. And clearly that huge trauma from 14... Where the bullies laughed as they beat me, and they yes. thought it fun. So I have all this It'll emotion coming up now, so I'm going to breathe a minute. Yeah. It
3: would be interesting if you had the space uh, to go back and listen to that section
4: again. I did. See. I did twice already. Listen, Michael, I'm trying to breathe yeah. a little here. <clears throat> try to say the words, it would be fun, then once again, here's another layer coming up for me, that those bullies were laughing as they beat me. So, what your energy was like yesterday, I can't tell you, because I was so deeply triggered. Mm -hmm. If you want to go back and listen to it and give me feedback, that would be wonderful. I think your energy has shifted today from what it was yesterday, and for that I'm grateful for the support as I process this.
3: Well, I'm delighted to be the support. And my invitation is if you had the space, to, you know, just listen to that section that really triggered that and see if now that post what you processed, if in fact it was energy coming off of me or if it was energy projected from what was triggered. Because for me, I'm really clear. I mean, I am excited at every opportunity to bring forgiveness to another level, to another mind, to another space on the planet. And for me yesterday, I'm also really clear that it was about being able to see and compare if there's another level that opens with that particular piece of the puzzle. Because my, as I, and I think just before I said those words that were the big trigger, I think I had just said, if I'm remembering correctly, that I felt like the process that, that they had uh, shared that you had read would in no way, shape, or form open the dissociated mind. And to me, if it did, then I'd like to know it. And if it doesn't, then I think it would be fun for somebody who's and, – and what I was thinking in terms of somebody who's been successful with that work and see if there's another level to open. To me, that's pretty exciting stuff. And – no way, shape, or form is there any concept of we're going to embarrass anybody or bully anybody with that. Uh, to me, it would be offering another level and layer of support, especially if it's someone who's done our work before because they're already familiar with the canceling process, to put that into a situation where there is an issue and see if there's another level. To me, that's pretty exciting stuff. And for me, clearly, where I was coming from yesterday.
4: All right, then.
2: And I think it's awesome that we're having this conversation.
4: Well, there might be a a time, if I keep doing enough worksheets, where I have that same perspective on that kind of confrontation. (laughs) I said there might be a time if I keep doing enough worksheets where I have that same kind of perspective on that kind of confrontation.
3: Hmm. Are you putting the category of the conversation we just had as a, con- a confrontation?
4: Yes. Oh, okay. Not the one today, That's the one which- yesterday. When I got sure triggered, when I got triggered, it was clearly about an old confrontation with a bully. Huh. Right. So everything about that yesterday, once I got triggered, was interpreted to the filter of fear and pain and shame.
3: Well. Well, and I am certainly delighted and excited that that's open for you because I know that from what you've described, your lungs are going to open and, and function on a whole other level. If there was that much suppressed trauma that's been there that long, uh, that's very likely. What, what excites me about the conversation we're having now is that very likely, and having had a lot of lung issues myself and almost died from them several times, uh, it's pretty exciting that the long-term effect of that energy locked in that tissue will never turn into degeneration because you embraced it, healed it, brought it forward, instead of left it resident there. To me, that's pretty exciting. And I've I've had people, you know, you, I think you've probably heard me say this in intensives or on the show, but I love to watch people in the depth of their trauma and pain because what I know is when people go into the depth of their trauma and pain and the active space of love is there, they're going to come out the other side and healed. I've had people say, well, are you some kind of a sadist that you like to watch people in pain? It's like, no, I know the freedom. I know the Liberty. I know the stories they're going to tell me tomorrow, two years from now, 10 years from now about the changes in their lives because they confronted that energy and moved it out. And to me, that's the, uh, the power of this show and what I love about the fact that we're having this conversation is everybody who's on the show gets to experience directly the real live thing. And there's nothing more powerful than the real live thing of healing. And I think the fact that we're modeling at this point, a conversation of two sane adults processing an issue in a way that most of the world has never seen, you know, I appreciate the fact that you one texted me and asked if it was okay to go ahead and do, and it was like, absolutely, yes, let's go for the real thing. And that uh, that everybody who's listening to the show gets to hear the real thing. And those realities come up, and the energy comes up, and, and when we forgive them, tissue heals. You know, we were talking yesterday, and you know, I am thinking preceded the uh, the conversation uh, was, or was part of the conversation with the two people here who literally came uh, with a cane and a walker that aren't using them anymore. And it's pretty powerful. So that for me is the exciting part of it. And, um, you know, this community that's developing around this show and around this work is, to me, so empowering in that regard. And I certainly appreciate the important part of the community that you are, because most people probably wouldn't bring it up. So
4: I'm delighted that you have. Well, I um, appreciate the uh, support, as I peel through another layer of Trauma that happened quite a few years ago. Yeah, those those moments
3: of the loss of innocence are uh, some of the heaviest ones to move through, for sure.
4: Yeah, that that certainly was one of the the hallmark times in high school for that loss of innocence, as you say. Yeah. You
3: know, yeah, you know, when, when we look at you know, one of the questions we often ask is, how many remember when they knew the world was supposed to be different in the way it's functioning for us today? And everybody that puts their hand up when I ask them, you know, it's it's like this it's basically the same question as who's held a newborn child everybody's answer when you ask them what do you remember knowing if you do remember and it was about that innocence and that love that presence of love and uh, the kind of interaction that takes place from that and to me that is a a great uh offending energy when it's taken on and covers that up when it hides that from us and I, for one, am here to continuously encourage and empower and support people peeling off every layer so we go back to original innocence. And, of course, one of the gateways that one has to go back through to do that is the power person dynamic of the rage at having given up the direct connection to love. That's such a huge piece, and to move back through that one And it sounds to me like you just moved through a big piece of it.
4: Well, that um, piece about uh, disconnecting from love, there was probably a piece of that in the uh, release, because I remember having an image of rage at the coach that um, reprimanded me for getting in a fight after this bully and his friend beat me from behind without me raising a hand to him so so there's probably some of that you know if I'm if I was feeling very loving and innocent at the time and I had rage triggered in me, I was certainly not staying connected to love and thinking about the bully and the coach that reprimanded me. That was one of several other worksheets I made a note to continue to do as I process this work. Well, I think
3: the moment that, you know, I believe that as humans, we're designed to function totally, literally, cellularly plugged into the active presence of love. And when that is removed, when we lose awareness of that, when we give up that connection and that cellular experience, I believe that is the root of the most intense rage that anyone will ever experience and it is the root of every disease, every disorder, every trauma, every moment of poverty that anyone will ever experience. And it's possible that there was the, you know, if that was one of the points where there was that original disconnect from love and from what you've said about your family system, you have pretty good support for staying connected to that then maybe some of that uh rage pointed at the coach came from the fact that it had just disconnected you or at least in awareness overlaid the cellular experience of love and the the pain of that, the just the sheer There really isn't a word big enough. Trauma of that is monumental. So I certainly hold the space for you and for me and for anyone and everyone on the planet who's ever given up that connection to love to be able to go back through that gate. You know, if you're reading the scriptures, the story, Symbolically that they talk about is how You know when we left heaven God and of course God's always to blame Always got to find somebody else to blame But God put these cherubim and fierce Creatures there so we couldn't go back I think the fierce creatures Are of our own making It's our own rage and pain That we need to go back through It's nothing that you know God didn't put up a block (laughs) To going back to that Original innocence But what we need to go back through is the terror and the trauma of that original disconnect. And it's huge. I've only, in all the years I've been doing this, I've only seen maybe three or four people go back through that piece. And it's the deepest sobbing, the deepest body shuddering, more than I can describe with words. When it happens for somebody, so maybe canceling that goal for the coach might uh, facilitate
4: a, another piece of that one being resolved. If there's any of it left. Well, I will certainly continue and do worksheets on it, and I'm feeling fairly complete for the moment. So I thank you for your support. If you want to see if there are hands up or anything in the chat room, and awesome. Well, you have my support and, and
3: my huge appreciation for the willingness to bring it forward. It's huge, huge appreciation. Thank you.
2: So Michelle, young lady, do we have anything happening in the chat room to be aware of? Or do we have anyone with a hand up and phone to you with a question?
1: Yeah, we've got a couple people with their hands up and uh, a conversation in the chat room with uh, several people. There's a gal here from Alaska. Her name is Angela, and I guess she was at Heartland earlier this summer doing Y.
5: Just a few weeks so, ago, yes.
1: So um, I guess she's um, uh, off work with um, some respite and uh, still so listening to the phone, and I invite, invited her um, comments or questions and... Uh, she said um, it is an amazing discussion and is holding a space of love for Dr. Tim. And um, just... And Michael, I hope. (laughs) Well, actually, Michael, we were talking about that we um, uh, mutually experience um, being triggered um, with fear and anxiety sometimes when um, we're with you. So um, I just admire Dr. Uh, Tim today for really um, having the courage to move through that process with the object of of its trigger. And and that is um, such a wonderful role model for myself and and for our listeners. I think it's one of those um, archive, you know, special shows, moments.
3: Well, wait a minute now, Michelle. you mean you mean you think there's actually someone? There's been another time that someone's had to do a worksheet on me besides this one with Dr. Tim. No,
6: no, really,
1: not, no, Dr. no. Tim, couldn't I, be. God, he's, I, I, he's so calm, cool, collected, you know, um, eloquent, well-spoken, well-versed, experienced. And I it was the first time I ever heard him cry, and so I um I was it was neat. Dr. Tim, thank you. Powerful. No, I think Jeannie's done some worksheets now then, maybe.
2: (laughs) I don't think she's ever had to do one on me. No,
3: no, 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 no. Couldn't couldn't be.
1: (laughs) Actually, Michael, I was kind of um, curious if while um, Dr. Tim was doing his process, um, if anything came up for you.
3: Yeah, actually, I'm planning to do a worksheet because there's an old issue for me that popped, and... It's one that I've visited many times over the years. It's been a while since I've I've had to visit it, but I I plan to, and that is that of being misunderstood, misinterpreted. So yes, I'm I'm going to do some work around uh, around that aspect of the conversation.
1: Awesome. I um I understand that one myself. And Angela came back, and she said, "Michelle, let him know. I'm holding um, a space of love for Michael, too. So, um, there's, Oh, there's and a Angela, people. I love the
3: picture that you sent me of that awesome meal that you created out of your Heartland experience
1: and out of the Ratsami book. Yeah, she uh, sounded like she had a really good experience here all the way from Alaska. So there are a couple people with a hands up. I think we've got about 20 minutes left. Um, Rex, we're going to have to put you on hold because area code six. Three O was first, but they just disappeared. So hopefully they call back, and I guess we'll say hi to Rex first. Hi.
2: Well, hello there. Okay.
1: How are you?
2: Pretty good. Very welcome. I'm doing, I'm doing wonderful. I'm going to set my dish down and go outside so I can do this with silence. There's kind of a lot of people out here, too, so we'll see how it works. Um, yeah, there's more people out here than there was inside. Okay. Rex. Maybe you got on the side deck. Well, we'll see how it works. I mean, you sound fairly wired, What's happening? Well, um, wonderful. I appreciate you, Dr. Tim and Michael, for being open and receptive to the experience. And, yeah, Tim, when you were in your deepest part there, when some emotion was coming up, I felt um, also resonated and triggered because I was bullied a fair amount. I wasn't a big kid. I was a little kid. In ninth grade, I weighed about 78 pounds and really small about five foot and I got beat up pretty bad when I was 14 as well interestingly Um, and then made a commitment that as I'm sharing it a little bit more is coming up so that's good (laughs) I made a commitment hold on let me let me move to another space I'll try it in here again Um, I made a commitment at that time to never ever I sat stood in front of a mirror And with blood streaming down my face, I made a commitment to never let anybody lay a hand on me again without fighting back. And it was
3: linked.
2: Yes. Say it again, Michael. How did that invitation work? Um, Well, how it played itself out is um, I never let anybody beat me again without beating them up. (laughs) That's how it played itself out. It's like um, as a little guy, I can be a little feisty and I learned how to defend myself and I was a wrestler and so on and so forth. But essentially what I did is I took that emotional, impactful experience and made a commitment to myself uh, in, a, in such a way that was based in rage. And the commitment was that I would never let anybody touch me without in, in a violent way without retaliating. And it was all about bullying. I mean, I was being bullied, but I had also invited it. Not like you, Tim. I don't know whether you did or not, but I did, and that's the upsetting. And the experience I had was... Uh, Very traumatic, and it was years later that I accessed that more clearly. I apologize for the background noise. I'll try to go outside again. Just moving from one state to the next to see if I can see without the background noise. At any rate, I experienced uh, deep, deep pain after I had really beaten some people up that had attacked me. And I, I kind of egged them on, and I had it in my field, you know, for someone to try to pick on me, so that I could prove that I was no longer going to tolerate that type of behavior, which was really um, not very pleasant to live with. And it was a blessing when I released all that and I let go of the idea that I had to strike someone who may strike me. And it may still have some... It obviously has some more work and release, but that was triggered in me and what came up while Tim was talking about that experience with you, Michael, that you resonated in him. One thing that has been incredibly forthright in my consciousness and in my space is that if I'm upset, I cannot perceive accurately. And I appreciate you, Tim, saying that so clearly, that you, 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 you stated that you knew that Michael was saying the things he was saying. And at first it was like, you know, you're not sure. He seems different today and he seemed different yesterday and so on and so forth. But then you came back and you owned it and you said, I, I don't know what he was doing energetically because in my experience, I was so in my stuff I couldn't see. And that is so crucial to recognize in the healing process. Because if I'm caught in an unconscious place, if I if I have caught myself in an unconscious place or I am in a reaction, I cannot perceive accurately. And any of the data that I'm retrieving from my mind is coming from fear or hostility, and I cannot perceive accurately. And it's a beautiful place to be, and it's a powerful place to be in healing. And the other piece that I had that I would like to share is, ever since I got clearer on that piece on being bullied, I recognized in so many different spaces that I would actually bully people. And it wasn't through a physical, I'm going to beat you up bully. It would have been through anger at times. But even then when I refined it more, what I did is I would bully people when I thought I was right. And I would say things and do things to prove that I was right. And because I have a certain level of charisma and articulation and, and I could overpower people with my voice and the sound and, and you know, uh, the, the power that I've come to recognize inside me, I would use that in a way that would be to overpower that conversation or to, and I just recognize it as bullying. And I once I started seeing that I was able to soften and release that, trauma and the pain that I felt around that, and a lot of it is I felt bullied by my father in that same way. That was my power pushing person dynamics, so it came out and expressed itself when I did that. And one of the ways that was really helpful for me to get clear on it is I would actually step back and I'd say, when somebody would say to me, well, you're being too loud, you're, you're, you're verbal, you're, you're bullying, you know, they wouldn't use that word, but it was the, the connotation behind it. And what I would do is I would step back and say, how do I feel about being accused of being a bully? How do I feel about being accused of being a bully and what do I think about that? And it allowed me to look at some qualities in me that I was trying to be right. And, I, and I, the reason I was so set on needing to be right and having to be right is because I felt deep down inside I may be wrong and that I actually was wrong. So those are the pieces that I wanted to share today, and uh, I, I find it fascinating that the topic of bullying is coming up again. I know that's surfaced in our intensive, and I'm inclined to think it will probably come up again. So uh, great job, Tim and Michael, and I uh, appreciate the, the listening. And if there's anything I've said right now that, either of you or anyone has feedback on that might help me support me in my healing process. I am totally open
3: to it. Well, the first piece of input that I have Rex is to, uh, and I don't know if you heard the way I languaged my question to you, but my question was how did that invitation work out for you? Because when you think of it in terms of regulatory speech, it was an invitation to bullies. Nobody's ever gonna lay a hand on me again and I'll and I'll fight back is lay a hand on me again. The energetic dynamic. And so if you haven't looked at that or thought of it from that point of view, that might be a good word to see let the last vestiges of that go. For sure. And the other thing that comes that might be uh, a worksheet you might do for yourself and for journey is that the whole change of journey running into the issues that he did started with him being beat up and bullied.
2: Yeah, I will. That's a good insight. Yep because that's related to what started his, appeared to start his whole um, process of the four years through the mental health system when he was attacked and, and obviously bullied, you know, beat up by a gang. Um, yeah. and, and how did the invitation go? Let me answer that because now I understand what you're asking more clearly. Um, the invitation went in such a way that I had a guy that was kind of a, he was a, a big kid, and he was bully, and he actually kind of egged him on a little bit. I didn't really like him. I was in high school. And he he said he was going to beat me up, and I said, yeah, whatever, and I just ignored it. Well, he called me out in front of about 300 people in a lunchroom. So we went outside, and I proceeded to beat him to a pulp. And – Uh, that experience was not ideal, obviously. But at the time, it was amazing. And I had gone through, this was my uh, junior year in high school. And up to that point, I could relate to Roger Dangerfield. That <laughs> I just don't get no respect. <laughs> you know, that one. And, and that was the experience I had. And from the minute I had that happen, and there was just, it was, it was quite an emotional, traumatic event. Um, I just never had anybody else pick on me again in high school. So the message was sent to my mind that that was actually a constructive thing. I stood up for myself. And what I've learned since then that that wasn't. It was reinforcing the rage. It was reinforcing that it's, it's healthy to attack someone or even defend apparently by attack. Because there's ways I could have gone around that I could have just, well, who knows what I could have done. That would have been looking back and trying to make it different, which I'm, I'm fine with what right. happened because I've learned so much from it. But as far as that goes, since then, um, you know, Michael, it's been it's how it the indication ended up being is that I think it was a part of that process that people wouldn't give me feedback. I think it worked in the reverse. rather than. in resonating that people would come and attack me, it was that they didn't feel safe attacking me or not even attacking me, but just giving me input and feedback. So I'm not seeing it specifically that I would be attacked by someone directly like I had put out or that I would have to do it through violence. It worked in just the opposite, I think. But I'll definitely give that some more uh, heartfelt consideration, and I, again, acknowledge you, Tim, for opening your heart and your mind and bringing that to our attention in this conversation, and, and uh, as you know, brother, I support you in your healing process, and I'll continue to hold the space with love as you continue to grow and heal.
4: Thank you. It's And Rex, yep. i I.
3: I definitely support you in clearing that frequency out of your genetics. Totally, completely, 100%. Hey,
2: men and women.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah, for all of the above.
1: Red, you cool. know what? So fabulous is um, I'm sharing the radio show today with uh, a client and um, she's very new to the work and it's amazing because Her father was a bully, and her husband is a bully, and, you know, now um, she's in her seventh decade, and she's finally willing to heal it. And I'm so excited because this resonates so uh, deeply with her. So thank you both. Mark, Mark, what do you think? Well, we hold the space, young
3: lady. And I'm talking to that young lady in her seventh decade.
0: We hold the space for all
3: of that healing.
0: Thank you. What what a privilege to be able to this is the second uh show I've been able to listen to and I I am most appreciative. Thank you.
3: Well you're certainly most welcome to join us five days a week for the rest of eternity.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Maybe I should bring her down to Heartland on Monday. <laughs> there you go. Mark?
6: Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Hey, we can hear you loud and clear. Welcome. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. I was the 6-0, hey, and you I, dropped, a I dropped right off. Here. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> well, it's interesting because we were talking a little bit about bullying on our call this morning, so it was really just resonant that we're all in tune with this. So I'm going to offer a different perspective. I'm the guy who was the bully when I was a kid. And I realized that in the last few weeks, as I was working through my own bullying energy, because I've I've been bullied, but I've also been the bully. When someone's bullying, they can't hear. So the people around them who want to give them feedback tend to give up and stop providing the feedback because they're not listening anyway. And so they're kind of this give-up process. And when I realized that I was bullying my own self and my family, I started to back down and started to listen. But it took sometimes two or three people to tie me down, if you will, and say, are you hearing what we think we're saying? And so that happened on on our call today where I was was paying attention. I'm like, Brea, what did you hear? Tim, what did you hear? Rex, what did you hear? And when I heard it from three different people the same way, I'm like, okay. Then I'm listening. And so now I've got to learn that the person in front of me is a reflection of the divine. And whatever they say, I need to listen to with an open heart and discern whether it's appropriate for me to act on or not. But I was getting triggered a lot by my bullying energy. When I cleared it, I started to open up and listen, and that's, I, that's what it takes for a bully to start listening, or at least that's what it took for me. It takes sometimes multiple people saying, hey, you're being a bully or you're not listening. And so I wanted to add on just a slight amount to what was said earlier from Tim. And I was hearing a little bit of the bullying In the conversation on the call yesterday, I went back and listened to it just a little bit. And so I'd encourage everybody who wants to hear what that sounds like to to listen to it, but listen to it with a filter that is from love and hear how it does sound different. Because, Michael, your explanation was so clear. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Even though I heard it my way, I heard it through my bully filter, too, you weren't bullying at all. You were just trying to be loved. You are just trying to get, like you said, get to the answer, get the work out. But our filters just kind of can skew things sometimes. So I recognize that and acknowledge it, and I forgive and release that energy in me that skewed it and let that go. And I'm going to promise and commit to everyone on the show today that from now on with my family and with the people around me, I'm going to listen a lot, a lot more. So that's all I, I want I genuinely to hear. Thank you. All right. Cool. And well, I'll join you in. I'm everybody here, too. You have a good show, Michael. Thank you very much.
2: I feel so blessed that we
6: have
3: this gathering of minds that are about healing and the fact that we've got all this in archives for eternity to make available to all of the generations to come to me it's pretty awesome
6: and i guess we know the title of this one
3: why are they doing this to me again
2: <laughs> <laughs> well we've got we're down to
3: about 2 minutes
0: well that was uh, an awesome pre-recorded show uh, Dr. Tim is away this week, so every day um, he has lined up uh, a show for me to start uh, that uh, is him going through his process, and so you're going to get five days of Dr. Tim processing. That one was from 2014, and so that it was uh, a blessing to hear it again, and I see Susan's hand's already up. I'm going to turn on your microphone. We'll give Michael a moment to dial in. Uh, the show, the pre-recorded ended just a couple minutes early, so we'll give him just a few minutes. Hello, Susan. I
7: hope you had a Merry Christmas. Hello. Merry Christmas, and thank you. First of all, thank you so much for your long Christmas card, which came ages ago, and I never thanked you with all your news in it. And, and oh, then, well. thank you for, Yeah, for running these. Dr. Tim really set us up. He said he told us about what the shows would be about. And I love that this one happened way before I knew you guys at all. I think I wasn't on the scene at all. And Dr. Tim, I guess, was still doing. Yeah, he must have been sharing the hour with you. Yeah, he, he
0: was. And yeah, it was before he started, before he agreed to do a second hour on his own. So for the first, right. Uh, eight years or whatever I don't know he was uh, co-hosting with Michael so right. yeah this was Remember, one of those
7: you were still doing that when I, I came on the show I don't know how I first heard about the show but just all of a sudden I was in <laughs> and I thought no, this I, is it. we're glad you're in <laughs> <laughs> this is and I have to say the, that replay was fantastic it was brave, yeah yeah i just I just loved it, and thank you so much. It was just inspiring to dare <laughs> to bring up the elephant that's hanging around i mean <laughs> don't 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 mention the elephant, so yeah, it was beautiful thanks um and um, I don't really have. To I mean, I might come back on because there's a lot going on around here, but I just wanted to say how wonderful to be set up and prepared. Usually, or very often, I'm so busy that if I know something's going to be a replay, I'll hang up and go do what I need to do because I know I can – I've heard it before (laughs) or maybe not. But anyway, and so I'm – very eager to hear these replays, which are guaranteed to be blockbusters because they've been curated. (laughs) Right. Yeah, he's he's picked out
0: five good ones for this week. And so I enjoyed listening to it too because
1: I have to get on early
0: to start the switchboard and dial in, you know, as host or whatever in order to start the recording. So I've been listening to it the whole hour as well. And it was awesome how it triggered. You know uh rex and mark and you know everybody else and then michael and so everybody got a opportunity to to get in there on the subject
7: <laughs> i know it was great so thanks
0: yeah thanks a lot awesome. <laughs> well you are welcome thank you for being with us mm. so i'll My i'll point. mute you and then if okay. you just press one again it will take your hand down and then if you want to talk again later press it again
7: so I'll put, I'll press one right now. Okay.
0: Okay. And I may have to uh, mute you before it takes your hand down for me, but then you can press it again if you want to come back on. Oh, there is Michael. Hello, Michael. Welcome. Susan was just uh, saying she was grateful for the show. This was one from 2014. And it was before she ever came into the group. And so she said it was awesome to listen to everybody processing and the same issue coming up for, you know, around bullying for several people who were on the call. And she was just saying she was grateful for it. And she said she had something else she had to do because she was going to go away and said she might come back. Cool. Sweet.
3: Well, honored and delighted that everybody that's here is here to Move this whole conversation to the next level. It's interesting. This morning I got phone calls from two different people who were involved in this work back 25 and 30 years ago, just out of the blue. I thought they were both spam calls. I don't usually answer spam calls. You know, unknown names come up and, but I answered them both and, uh, Instead of spam, it was two different people. One who actually, just about six months ago, had moved to Bull Shoals Lake, just across the lake from uh, from where we are at Heartland, and uh, she had uh, she and her husband had met some forty years ago, and had challenges. And when the uh, my book came out, she got it, and it led her to a whole process within herself, and uh, just a day or two ago, the book reappeared as uh, as one that she needed to, uh, to tap into again and, and take another look at, So, and then another person had called with similar similar conversation, so it's interesting that we're listening to a show from back, I don't know, what year was that, Jeannie, do you know?
0: 2014.
3: 2014, so... Eight years ago. Time flies when you're having fun. In any event, I uh, wonder if uh, if any anyone had anything else come up from that conversation. I didn't hear the whole show. Just Jeannie had brought her phone down just a, a few minutes before minutes before I was finishing my breakfast. So, in any event, uh, it's definitely if you look at what's going on in the culture that uh, that bully issue has. Uh, <laughs> pretty much taken over the culture from a, uh, at least from a political perspective. and You know, the whole, the events that are going on, the the push to change election results, the, the whole game, it's just interesting how that's come out, and, and how the uh, one world religion has so taken over the mind of the world, and it's not something that anybody needs to fear is coming... The one-world religion is here, full blast, full-blown, 2,000%, and it's the religion of blame, the game of denial. And the thought that comes to mind is Paul when he says, Beware you who judge another, for that in which you judge another, you have been guilty of practicing. When the mind generates a perceptual reality that's accompanied by some sort of turmoil or pain, upset, hostility, or fear. The mind is taking its own dissociated content and building pictures, literally building perception of others. And that's what led Paul to that insightful statement. And unfortunately, if you're following Paul, he didn't know how to resolve that. you know if you listen to him, he says, "Why is it the things I would do, and he's doing a lot doing a lot of talking about living his love, the things I would not do, I cannot do, and the things I would do the thing pardon me, the things I would do, I cannot do, and the things I hate are what I do. He didn't know what drove his own perceptual mind and We actually Christmas Eve went to to church with uh, with our son and daughter-in-law and our granddaughter. And in the context of the Christmas season, you know, if you look at the uh, the scriptures, they talk about how it's allegory. You hear Yeshua, and they say, you know, without a parable, he did not speak. And parable means parallel meaning. You take something that the mind can understand literally. And when you lay that down, the mind gets busy with that parallel meaning, and then the truth of the situation gets to come through. Well, as I was sitting, a a new piece of the puzzle came together for me as we're sitting in church and you are talking about this whole story of the, you know, there's no room in the inn and there's a manger. And I would offer that a mind that still holds hostility or fear, is an ill birthplace for the presence of love to arrive, to show up. And that that structure called the body-mind unit has to become virginal, has to be cleansed of its quote-unquote the energies that are off the mark, remember the Greek or, or the Aramaic word sin means, it's an archer term, just means off the mark, has to be cleansed of those or there's no room In the end, your physiology, your body-mind unit, for the truth of your created essence, love, to arrive. And so what happens? It's born into a cheap, lowly place, a manger. And you look at the perceptual constructs of so many people's minds, and they're pretty mangy, (laughs) filled with hostility or fear about everything that they look at. And when you one recognizes that, then the work that needs to be done is to clean up the in, to clean up the body-mind unit and remove from it content that is based in hostility and fear. So when one does that work, then the inn with all of the toxic energy that resists love becomes a fit place for love to actually show up. And when I recognize that, then I realize that I have work to do. Who of us doesn't? There is a work to be done, and the work is that of removing everything that blocks the arrival of active present love and its birth within the physiology and so the the work of doing that is is pretty profound, pretty powerful. And that's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to support. We're here to to learn uh, that which we teach, you know. I love Richard Bach's statement, we teach best that which we most need to learn and what needs to be moved through. What needs to be let go of. There's a lesson in the Course in Miracles that I find kind of in a sense, humorous. As it describes mind, just check out and see if this fits for you. If it does, it'll give you another pointer toward where you need to go. It's actually one lesson 121 in the Course in Miracles text, and it's called, Forgiveness is the Key to Happiness. Here's the answer to your search for peace. Here's the key to meaning in a world that seems to make no sense. Here's the way to safety in apparent dangers that appear to threaten you at every turn and bring uncertainty to all your hopes of ever finding quietness and peace. Here are all questions answered answered here at the end of all uncertain at the end of all uncertainty ensured at last, and then it describes what the end is full of you know. You've heard people say you're full of it. Well, this is what the inn is full of if love isn't living in your physiology 24-7-365. This describes the work that needs to be done. So here's where it goes. It's it's kind of entertaining, and it's a little bit confrontive. The unforgiving mind is full of fear and offers no love to be itself, no room in the inn. Nowhere can spread its wings in peace and soar above the turmoil of the world. The unforgiving mind is sad, without hope of respite and release from pain. It suffers and abides in misery, peering about in darkness, seeing not yet certain of the danger lurking there. The unforgiving mind is torn with doubt, confused about itself and all it sees. Afraid and angry, weak and blustering, afraid to go ahead, afraid to stay, afraid to waken, afraid to go to sleep. Afraid of every sound, yet still more afraid of stillness. Terrified of darkness, yet more terrified at the approach of light. What can the unforgiving mind perceive but its damnation? When it can, what can it behold except the proof that all its quote-unquote sins are real? The unforgiving mind sees no mistakes but only sins. It looks upon the world with sightless eyes and shrieks as it beholds its own projections rising to attack its miserable parody of life. You know, it's interesting how the unforgiving mind is sure that there are at least 10,000 reasons for its upset for its hostility, for its desire to run. It's sure there are 10,000 reasons because the single reason sees all those things is within itself and that is projected into everything that it sees. So if your mind gives you Oh, I have this reason, I have this reason, oh I really need to be upset about oh I really need to be upset. I need to really get something done about, oh yes, that really needs that now now that really. Notice that the inn is full. And it's full of corruption. So again this lesson goes on. This unforgiving mind, one that has everything to blame. I mean, it doesn't matter what it looks at. It can put its upset into anything or anybody. And oftentimes, especially the person it says it cherishes the most. Because that's the only place where the veil opens. And so one oftentimes does that projection on anything and everything that the person they're close to does, their minds contain. So this unforgiving mind looks upon the world, and of course that's a world of perception between its ears with sightless eyes and shrieks as it beholds its own projections, rising to attack its miserable parody of life. If you're miserable, guess where the misery is? It's inside of you, it's not outside of you. Sooner or later you've got to face that, you've got to stop pretending that it's about what anybody else does. If it's there, anybody else, any action can bring it up. Or no action at all can bring it up. Oh, I have to be on the run. I have to get away. But the thing it's trying to get away from is within itself. The unforgiving mind wants to live, yet it wishes it were dead. It wants forgiveness, yet it sees no hope. It wants escape, yet can conceive of none, because it sees the sinful everywhere. Why does it see the sin? Remember that word sin is off the mark. That's all it means. It's an energy dynamic, archery term. Why does it see sin everywhere? Because of what's inside of it in content into every construct that it makes. The unforgiving mind is in despair without the prospect, and it looks at something and says, oh, this is never going to end. Well, guess what? It's never going to end until you say, oh, this is inside of me. I have work to do. I've got to stop pretending it's outside of me. I've got to stop pretending that the misery that's moving in me is caused by something outside of me. Remember another spot where the Course says, ears deceive and eyes See falsely. The unforgiving mind is in despair without the prospect of a future which can offer anything but more despair. Why does that mind think its future contains nothing but more despair and something out there is to blame? Because there's despair in it. Remember, what's moving in you is moving in you because it's moving in you. What moves in me is moving in me because it's in me. The sooner I can learn that, the sooner I can stop pretending that, oh, I'm justified in this little rage or that little rage or this criticism or this put down. I'm justified in because of what went on out there. Who gets the original of the put down? The person who's doing the put down. So the unforgiving mind is in despair without the prospect of a future which can offer anything but more despair. Yet it regards this judgment of the world as irreversible and does not see that it has condemned itself to this despair. It thinks it cannot change for what it sees bears witness that its judgment is correct. It does not ask because it thinks it knows. It does not question certain that it is right. The lesson goes on to say, forgiveness is acquired, it is not inherent in the mind, which cannot sin. As sin is an idea you taught yourself, forgiveness must be learned by you as well, but from a teacher other than yourself. You know, those who live in misery and always have somebody to blame, trust no one. And yet the thing they need is at least one person that they can trust, because they can't lead themselves out of their own darkness. A perceptual mind filled with constructs of darkness, darkness simply circles around in its own darkness. But So the learning must be done from a teacher other than yourself who represents the true self in you. Through him you learn how to forgive the self you think you made. Now remember the word forgive means remove. So remember Yeshua says in order for you, being, love, to live, you, non-being, hostility and fear must die. That energy must go from you. So this is the self you forgive that you remove, not in the sense of being let off the hook. The self you think you made and you let it disappear. Now that self, when it starts to let go, it's like, oh man, terror, trauma, because it's made of terror and trauma. Thus, you return your mind as one to him who is your true self, the one who can never sin. Each unforgiving mind presents you with an opportunity to teach your own how to forgive itself. And remember, that means remove itself, not let itself off the hook. Each one awaits release from hell through you and turns to you imploringly for heaven here and now. The unforgiving mind has no hope, but you become its hope, and as its hope you become your own. The unforgiving mind must learn through your forgiveness that it has been saved from hell. So as one starts to observe, oh, the key to this whole thing is taking responsibility, owning what's going on inside of me, and then removing it. And the removal of that self-inflicted hell, remember the, the acronym SIN, S-I-N, self-inflicted nonsense. The removing of that in the ancient teachings was called salvation. So the Course goes on here to say, as you teach salvation, you will learn. Yet all your teaching and your learning will not be of you, but of the teacher who has given, has given you to show you the way to you. Today, we practice learning to forgive. If you're willing, you can learn today to take the key to happiness and use it on your own behalf. The exercise devotes 10 minutes in the morning and at night. Another 10 to learn how to give forgiveness and receive it too. The unforgiving mind does not believe that giving and receiving are the same, yet we will try to learn today that they are one through practicing forgiveness toward one who you think of as an enemy, one and one whom you consider a friend. And as you learn to see them both as one, we will extend the lesson to yourself and see that their escape included yours. So think of someone that you don't like, who seems to be the source of irritation or perhaps causes regret in you, one whom you perhaps actively despise or merely try to overlook. It doesn't matter the form your anger takes. You've probably chosen him already. He or she will do. Now close your eyes and see him or her in your mind and just look at him a while. Perceive some light in him somewhere, a little gleam which perhaps you never noticed, or perhaps you won't acknowledge but have buried with your own projections. Try to find some little spark of brightness shining through the ugly picture that you hold of him. Look at this picture till you see a light somewhere within it, and then let the light extend until it covers him and makes the picture beautiful and good. Breathe. And look at this changed perception for a while. And turn your mind to one you call friend. Transfer the light you learned to see around your former enemy to your friend. Perceive him or her now as more than friend to you, for in that light, his or her holiness shows you your Savior, saved and saving, healed and whole. Then let him or her offer you the light you see in him, and your enemy and friend unite in blessing you with what you gave. Now you are one with them and they with you. Now have you removed your own trauma, you've forgiven. Remember throughout the day the role forgiveness plays and bringing happiness to every unforgiving mind with yours among, among it. Every hour tell yourself, forgiveness is the key to happiness. I will awaken from the dream that I am mortal, fallible and full of sin. And know that I am the perfect son of God. The perfect daughter of God. And breathe. And know that we breathe with you. And that our purpose here To literally make available in a practical format, total presence of love and experience of the tools of forgiveness. And remember that in that process, as you tap into the presence of love in you, you strengthen that presence of love and offer it to everyone that you touch. And breathe that presence of love into your structure, where it belongs. For it is your birthright to live as the presence of love, 24-7-365. That's our lesson today. And we invite everyone to press one. What are your thoughts? What does that bring up for you? Does that make sense for everybody? Any questions about how this process is done? What it means? So if you're out there in listener land, we invite you to, if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you, call in to the show at 563-999-3581. That way you'll be listening direct to the show on your phone if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you.
7: Well, nobody if has you have a, a hand up. Have a question or a thought for us?
3: Put a hand up. There you go.
0: <laughs> Except Susan said her hand's really not up. But if we needed somebody to talk, she's on. So, hello, Susan. <laughs> well, let's
3: go for it, young lady. What's on your mind? What did What did that uh, lesson on uh, bullying bring up for you?
7: Oh my goodness, I was, I was, I was, um, I was bullied in high school too, in a very different way. It didn't really what what resonated was how courageous Mm -hmm. Michael and you were to stay with I mean you you could have sort of gone into self-defense or something but you didn't you hung in there and he hung in there and he kept saying this is still a real issue and he was gasping Mm -hmm. for air and you aligned with him talking about your lung issues and you aligned with him in all the ways you could. And I just thought it was one of, I'm so glad it was replayed. I'd never heard that one. I wasn't a friend of yours yet. That show. was
3: Well, there's a lot of gold back there.
7: Oh my God, there is just gorgeous.
3: And those old shows.
7: Yeah. So anyway, um, the whole theme of our Christmas has been, because of that book I've been reading and work, which the, the end result of your worksheet, the enlightened goal, is always about loving. Being love, not loving somebody, but being love right. and getting into that. Functioning is love, and,
5: yeah.
7: yeah. And the Prater-Van book is sort of like a, it's an emergency bypass. Wherever Van says, bless everybody, bless the cars that go by, and see them, see the people in the cars and the people you see everywhere as whole and productive and happy or whatever they want, doing well, healthy, fulfilled, he even suggests it's a way of giving up a goal in order to get to the enlightened goal fast. He says, When you pray, don't pray for something to happen because the way you teach, Michael, is the same thing. He says you're actually acknowledging that it isn't happening yet, that it's not okay yet, that there's a need yet. He said the more effective prayer would be to thank God for For the wholeness of this person. Thank God for... Mr. T, for instance, to be in his right mind and loving and getting a right perspective and healing from whatever trauma causes him to do what he's doing, go across everybody, see them as whole when you pray, see them as whole, and thank God for the fact that it's already done. this isn't my idea, but it seems like I feel as if i'm a walking I'm walking around doing. Enlightened goals without even doing the worksheets, except when it's a real trigger. But there's nothing. What haven't been and become the habit. Well, of course, if you
3: tie it in with with uh, step seven in the worksheet. Remember, step seven in the worksheet reminds you that whatever I give, I get the original. So who gets to the experience of wholeness? Who gets the fulfilling energy of the experience of wholeness? But the person who chooses to come from being and bring forward wholeness. So when that's offered, who gets filled with it? I do. When I withhold it and I go, and you da 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 what you know, who gets the wa da da da? Yeah. But me. Mm Mhm. So it's really, you know, the crux of the whole process is to live as the presence of love. Mm -hmm. and to offer that gift to even the lowliest, quote-unquote. And then, as that lesson says, here's the answer to your search for peace. Yeah. How cool is that?
7: It's very, very cool. You know, Michael, I have become so sort of a leader in my online Al-Anon group, to the point where I'm going into my third time of heading the meeting. Um, And they have an odd but understandable um, guideline, which is we want, if you're gonna bring literature into the meeting, have it be only literature generated by Al-Anon approved literature, and there are some things that you could use, but they don't say that you can't bring in an idea. What I'm trying to tell you is I'm introducing this coming one about the idea of giving up a goal and the enlightened goal, replacing it. This isn't anybody's literature, this is me regurgitating Michael Rice's best, stuff (laughs) but I'm very eager to see what happens because it's an open topic this week and I love it when it's an open topic it isn't even one of the steps it's like today we get an open topic so my next meeting is tomorrow at 3 and I get the chance to bring in the stuff that I'm learning on the radio show and I've done it twice now and people have said oh my god I love this topic. And off and running, it's a great discussion. Uh, so it it flies under another flag because I don't mention you guys. Too bad. I mean, no need. you're getting to <laughs> good. Um, so it, it's just great to have this mental archive and richness that I can bring to these meetings thanks to you and the radio show. And people do process on there. I mean, there's some serious stuff, and we have new people coming in all the time, coming and going, and we have a pile of regulars. And our our own little Zoom group is thriving too. It's just great. It's the one that meets. We meet on Wednesdays um, for an hour and a half, <clears throat> and it's still going, and we. It's just a rich discussion with all of its basis be the tools. And the most... Fabulous. um, The most useful tool seems to be the mind shifter. The worksheet so much is people doing a mind shifter. That seems to be the most popular at the moment. And it may be the way I talk about it or something, but... um, Anyway, it's been great too. Well, everybody so, has their own favorite tool, for yeah. sure. Well, it's really and I
3: know that when I first like started,
7: to do worksheets on it. say it again. Yeah, go ahead. Doing a mind shifter is like finding out what you need to do a worksheet on. <laughs> for me, but anyway, what were you saying?
3: Exactly. Well, I was going to say say that I, I can think back to the early days of doing this after I found out that in Aramaic the word shebag that's been translated as forgive is to cancel and it had to do with canceling goals and yeah. it didn't really make any sense to me. I didn't know and nobody that I knew that the goal was a driver for perception and perception was just a construct of the mind. Until you know that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, so I understand why people will tend to want to bypass. I mean, I have a perfectly good goal. I have this kid that's doing alcohol. I just want him to be healthy and happy and safe. And So you're now telling me to cancel my goal for that? That's absolutely stupid, and it is until you understand that that goal yeah is what keeps the mind stuck in its cycling perception based in some form of hostility or fear. So it took me, I don't i don't even know how long now, it's a long time ago, it's 40 plus years ago. It probably took me, I don't know, three, four, maybe even five years to start to really formulate the worksheet in a way that I would present it in every workshop. And of course now it's the lead workshop. I mean for the last almost 40 years it's been the lead workshop is always the worksheet, always why is this happening to me again. But it took four or five mm-hmm. years for me to get enough feedback from people who when I would casually mention canceling a goal, tried it and went, oh my God, that's so powerful. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I certainly yeah. understand that it takes time for people to build the brain cells for that. and. You know, I mean, it literally took me 35 years to comprehend and explain reasonably, logically, why you would cancel a goal. Right. And what it does. I well, mean, so.
7: The Al Anon people do that, but they come at it from a different angle. They are How aware so? of wanting, well, they're aware of wanting their person, their alcoholic, to be well. But they're also aware that if they want it and are experiencing anger, frustration, sorrow, whatever it is, that, they're not, that they, they are in a codependent relationship. And they must pull themselves away from that and observe and unconditionally love the alcoholic and then go for correction from a healthy, centered, loving place which I think is like the enlightened goal. They get that. That's it, exactly. Yeah, and they talk about how they did it. Often we have testimonials on there where the woman says, do you know, it's the first, well, one of them was saying, it's the first, um, they were talking about Thanksgiving, it's the first Thanksgiving where my alcoholic came home, got drunk, did the whole scene, tried to wreck everything, and I was at peace. I watched, I prayed, I saw her, what she was doing. I loved her, and I was okay. So, they're doing it.
3: Yep. Perfect. Awesome. Hmm. And, you know, as often as possible, I'd throw that in, like, you know, well, it sounds like you canceled the goal for them to be okay. And gee, and that opens space. And when people yeah. specifically... I think people will arrive at a lot faster when they go, oh, yeah. all I have to do is cancel my goal and go back to my connection to love bring forward this presence of love. It's just, you know, it's monumental.
2: That's
7: exactly what I want to do. say <laughs> exactly Sweet. what I want to do. And then I know I'm not supposed to and I might not be allowed to, but I want to introduce the worksheet at that point and just say, I have a tool that I've been using, but, you know, it isn't in the literature. It isn't, you know, and one or two of them might say, give it to me anyway. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I'm, I'm so new at this that I'm not sure how. I already, you know, I might yelp in the middle of somebody else's talk and you're not supposed to cross talk or influence or anything, or I might say some wise crack in the chat. Which is sort of like cross talk. I'm a little bit of a rule breaker, but I haven't gotten into trouble yet. No, <laughs> I'm not, not yet.
3: Cool. Yeah. Well, you know, another really nice resource that you can offer to people is that Jeannie has done that video on the app, oh, yeah. and just oh, letting so people, good. you know, there's an app. For, there's an app for doing that, and yeah. if you give people that link she goes through mm-hmm. the worksheet step by step by step it would be a really good yeah. starting point for people just simply oh there's an app for doing that might be That's might be something you put in idea. chat and offer to people yeah and then they're going That's off and you haven't idea. put anything you know they're going off and searching for themselves for resources
7: right and it's also not quite a piece of written material exactly it's sort of like coming no. in on online, yeah, that's a great idea,
2: okay,
3: and it's a really nicely done video, I've learned several things from it, so, thank you, Jeannie, it was brilliant,
7: it yeah, brilliant. I haven't watched the full of it, but I've watched part of it, and it's very good, very professional, yeah. and you look yeah. good, your hair is nice, and you're not wearing a shirt that has no no top sleeves so that people are going to freeze when they look at you.
3: <laughs> Especially if they watch That's it all
0: right.
7: winter, right? When it's zero degrees. <laughs> I know she posting oh, a picture of herself and it looks as if she has no fleas and I'm thinking, What? I told her it was a
0: cold shoulder sh sweater but anyway. Um I just sent you an email to um and for those who are listening on the website and I mean there may be information that you can use there without mentioning us or the website, but um if there is a uh, a link about the 12 steps and you know how it uh oh well, yeah i see it the, yeah and then there's another link within it um you know want to stop addiction where to start and so mm-hmm. there we had um we called them recovery wednesdays that we did oh uh, gosh I don't remember how many years or a whole year or something it was back in like 2015 yeah that um gail was with us and she you know was in aa and um she would tell all about the history you know she she knew all of the stuff about bill wilson and the formation of the 12 steps and all of that and she would compare how their steps were like the forgiveness process and and so you know there might be some information there you can use still staying within the aa program and get the yeah. point across
7: or whatever so good idea did you Thanks
3: share jeannie right at... hmm? did you share the story of adeline and the cold shoulder
7: <laughs>
5: uh, no <laughs>
3: Well, we have a granddaughter, her name's Adeline, and she was probably, what, five, Jeannie, maybe? Yeah. And she had a a sweater like that on, and and Jeannie told her, or or were we giving her one? I don't remember. Anyway, she she told her it was a cold shoulder, and, and Adeline was just adamant, I don't have cold shoulders. I do not have cold shoulders. Well, this is called a cold shoulder sweater. (laughs) She just couldn't get it through her head. It was like her shoulders weren't (laughs) cold. It's one of those funny memories that comes up.
7: (laughs) That's funny. Uh, So. So your Christmas went well? Yes, and we're getting good reports from my daughter. All three of her sons are with her in Jacksonville. Luke has been sober for two months now. And living at home until he starts college, he's gonna have his own apartment and he's going to AA meetings online every day, working out at the gym, eating well and awesome. Jacob is is home with them and Jacob's a different story. He's really addicted to weed and alcohol. He doesn't get falling down drunk but he's extremely Self-centered and gets belligerent if they ask him to bring his dirty dishes out of his bedroom when he's where he's been eating something, um, and she, my daughter, was telling me that was the phone call Jeannie that I left the radio show for. She was saying I'm so frightened for him because he is absolutely so self-involved that he, his brothers are frightened for him. His brothers don't know if he'll mm-hmm. ever make it in the world without somebody sending him money and doing handouts and um, so you anyway. might send
3: her you yeah. might send her a link to the app mm-hmm. because her fear of yeah. what's going to happen to her son is part of what keeps that energy going in him
7: good idea good thought good thought good thought. and it's if like she can the realized thing. yeah
3: yeah, well, it's precisely the whole Alanon thing. Can I come to this circumstance where my ego would have a whole list of, oh, my God, what kind terrible things can happen, where I've forgiven all of that and I just come to him as love? I mean, that's the most powerful thing that any traumatized person can have is someone who is just there as active, present love and someone who has fear about what's – and their mind tells them it's about what's going on. You know, she doesn't have fear about him at all, but she has fear. And if she can forgive that – then she can come to him, and that might be the only opening he needs to just process through all of that.
7: Wow, great idea. Great idea. And being a minister,
3: she'll understand that, you know. uh, a, A way that might be palatable for her to receive it is, you remember that story where there's this woman who's, goes to Yeshua, and she has this disease going on, and she knows if she can touch the hem of his garment. Yeah. And ask her, let her know that, you know, the hem of his garment didn't include fear. And can you bring forward that love so that through you, Mom, he can touch the hem of his garment, that he can touch into that presence of love that he feels so deprived of, and that might be the only opening he needs, and that might be a way to, for her to be able to understand it, and you know, cancel some goals to um,
7: yeah
3: to create the space. I
7: wonder. I wonder if that will help her know how to, and me too, know how to approach Jacob when he needs correction, like. Please bring your dirty dishes to the kitchen. And he goes ballistic. I wonder yeah. if that could be reframed.
3: Absolutely. Uh, so if if we're in the mind of what was called the mind of Christ, or the natural mind of the human being, the mind of love, we're going to be told mm-hmm. everything we need to know about everything we need to do. Remember, remember the the you know the the, the scriptural thought. Judgment day is at hand. What does that mean? Everything that I've engaged in is going to present itself in my world. That'll be my judgment. You know, the result of my creative process is going to show up. Maybe it's going to kick me in the face. That's mm-hmm. called judgment days at hand. And yeah. if I can step into the space of active, present love, then I can free myself of that. I can create a whole different space. And so I don't have to know what to say to him, Mm
5: -hmm. if
3: I'm in being, Mm -hmm. then as, you know, Yeshua talked about that example, when you go before the judge, don't try to figure out what you're going to say. Just go before the judge. You'll be told what to say. He's telling us what the mind of Christ or the mind of love in us will do for us, no matter what the situation. Do not be concerned. You'll know you will be instructed in that instant by the live energy of the love of the Creator with exactly what to do, exactly what to say, exactly how to hold your head to produce the result that you want.
8: Gosh, you have to Unless have a lot of
3: stuff. Your carbon based memory has different ideas and then you'll do the different ideas because you'll listen to that instead of the guidance.
7: Yeah. Well, what I wanna ask you is give me a script, Michael. <laughs> Like, I'm picturing immediately if I were down with her and I were my daughter, I'd say, okay, Mr. Boone, with a loving sound in my voice, I'll go up with you and let's just clean all this out. I'll help you. I don't know whether that's enabling or what. And you're telling me that I would know. Maybe I would. I don't
3: know. You will know in that instant. All of, If you're living, like, 24-7-365, whenever you're living in active, present love, all of the energetic circumstances will instruct you as to exactly the highest enlightened goal you can have, what to do to produce the result. Mm-hmm. If you're in carbon-based memory, then while that still small voice is trying to get your attention, say, here, you could do this, your mind's going raw, 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 raw raging and roaring and doing all its pain and trauma and fear and terror stuff so we can't hear the guidance that's there and and to me that's understanding that forgiveness is an incremental thing somebody doesn't normally just do one worksheet and this whole big issue is all of a sudden over with it happens it can happen but usually it's worksheet after worksheet after worksheet and each worksheet weakens the emotional noise voice Mm -hmm. until it gets quiet enough that the still small voice can be heard.
7: Mm, That's great.
3: So it might take 77 times 70 worksheets to get to the point where, you know, generational patterns, you know, how many generations do you suppose watched, you know, sons, husbands, fathers, die of alcohol or drugs or hostility, whatever it was. You know, mm-hmm. how many generations in any and all of our bloodlines hold that? And so those developed, those well-honed skills of fear and trepidation for most people have a very loud voice inside their heads. Yeah, And when I can collapse that voice, you know, I can do it in one worksheet. If I collapse that voice and I'm really on my toes, that instant where perception collapses, where that voice collapses, can be a total near-life experience. Bingo. Ah, there it is. Usually it takes a little longer. Mm.
7: Yeah, your example today on the replay, Dr. Tim was doing worksheets and and when enough work had been done, he was bumped back into the memory of being bullied. But I don't think that happened right away. I think he had to do some worksheets before he got there, if I remember right.
3: Yeah, it usually takes time. It's a process for sure. Yeah. For sure. <sighs> So joining you in the process and holding the space.
7: Thanks. Good idea. All right. Well,
3: any other thoughts for you, young lady?
7: No. No more thoughts.
3: All right. Well, we're holding the space for for both of those young men. All right. Take care. Blessings. Thank you. Appreciate you. Best New Year yet of your eternal life.
0: We have another hand up. We're down to six minutes, but let's see what we can get in. Area code 843, you are on the air. Who do we have?
8: Um, this is Paula. Can you hear me? Loud yes. and clear, young lady. Welcome. I, okay. I talked to you earlier today.
3: Yes. Actually, I shared um, at the beginning of the show that I'd gotten a couple of phone calls, and you were one of them, so welcome.
8: Okay. Thanks. Thanks. Um, like I told you, I'm dealing with some very serious medical issues. And it's really
5: right.
8: um, doing a number on my body. Um, I had mm-hmm. a kidney stone, yada yada, two two procedures, um, and I I can barely walk. It's a long. I don't. I am in absolute Hi, terror. I
0: take your call right now. But if you'll leave me your name and your number, if I don't have it,
6: Whoops. and a brief a message, oh, I'll get I'm back here. to
0: you as soon as I can. Teeny? Have a blessed day. Please record your message. When you have finished recording, you may hang up or press
1: one for more options. To leave a callback number, press five. Uh,
8: are you uh, are you there? So okay, was, we're
3: here. I apologize. Somehow Jeannie's phone I, kicked in and uh, okay. was just somebody was calling in. So go ahead. Excuse us.
8: Okay. Well, I am. I am just. I'm in total terror about my life, and I realize. I'm carrying around a tremendous amount of resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness. Right. And and I, I just can't, and, and they, kidneys, they have to do with fear. And yes. I, like I said, I'm in absolute terror. And all I can imagine is more horrible things happening. And And I don't, when y'all talk, when you talk about love, I don't even know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't even have a clue what you're talking about. Okay.
3: Well, let's, let's start there. Do you have any children?
8: No, but I have nieces and nephews, and I adore those children.
3: Okay, so let's go back to the first moment that your sister or your brother, whoever it was, had one of those nieces or nephews, and as a newborn you held them and looked into their face. Allow yourself to go back to that moment. And if you tap in to the essence of that newborn, what word would you use to describe the newborn?
8: Unconditional love.
3: Okay. Then the next question I would ask is, and what was his or her name? Madeline. So, So was Madeline loving you in that moment where you're holding her, or is Madeline love?
8: I would say that she's love.
3: Okay. So here's the first hitching post for your healing process I would offer. To recognize that you started out and are still in your essence the same as Madeline, the pure presence of love. But you've allowed hostility and fear to displace your presence in your own body. You know, represented. I don't know if you were on at the beginning of the show, but I talked about an insight I, I had just. You know, with this whole contemplating this whole Christmas season and the, the whole story of the Christ being born in a manger, and that you know the the inn was full, and and the inn is representative of the human body that's filled with hostility and fear and terror. And so there's no room for love to enter and come into awareness. It's there, it's what you are. You and Madeline started out, as every one of us did, as the pure created essence of love. The challenge now I would offer is to forgive Not ever let anybody in your life that's ever done anything off the hook for what they've done, but to go inside yourself and remove the accumulated energies of hostility and fear that make your body an inhospitable place for love to show up. And the core of that process... Have you ever looked at or done our, the reality management worksheet process, the forgiveness process that we teach?
8: No, I just, um, I, I found out about it last night looking on your website.
3: Okay, great. So I sent you that email and in the email, there's a, a three hour workshop and one of the first links, or if you just start following the links, there's a workshop that explains how to start to remove those energetic patterns of hostility and fear that you're acknowledging are in you and destroying you, how to literally remove them from your structure. So here would be my invitation. Create a three-hour time space where you can watch that, and then the next link takes you to the worksheet. Download from the website the worksheet, or get on your phone and... uh, and download the app for forgiveness, and do a worksheet or two. And then tomorrow, let's talk about what you get out of that, and we'll help clarify it and take you to the next step. step. We're getting down to just the last few seconds, so we're not going to be able to step into that now. But if you would watch that, Why is this happening to me again workshop, it's in the link that I sent, in the the email that I sent to you. Watch that and get a hold of a worksheet and do, you know, I explained in the workshop how to do it, do your best to do one, and then we'll answer questions for you and support you in the next level of that. Okay?
8: Okay. Okay. I, I can't print off anything off my phone, um, but I'll, I'll see what I can do. Okay.
3: Well, you can, you can. If you go to your app store on your phone and you type in the words Heartland, one word, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, Aramaic Forgiveness, you can download the app and you can do the worksheet right there on your phone. So if you can get to your email, watch that video, and then download the app, then you can do a worksheet on your phone. And then tomorrow, call early. Call, like, if you can, right at 1 o'clock. And we'll step in and we'll assist and support you in understanding the worksheet and how to develop the skill of doing it. And you will get rid of your hostility and fear. If you'll do it, you'll be rid of it. You'll be freed of it. It'll take time. It'll take work but it'll start to disappear from your experience, no matter what's going on in your world. Okay. All right. And in the meantime, we'll be extending love in your direction, literally holding you in that space. And we'll look forward to hearing from you tomorrow.